1: I do solemnly swear that I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic, that I will bear true faith and allegiance to the same, and that I will obey the orders of the President of the United States and the orders of the officers appointed over me, according to the regulation and Uniform Code of Military Justice. So help me God." Time Michael Voris at Church Militant breaks a big story about a scandal in the Catholic Church from among the hierarchy, especially a sexual scandal, it causes me a lot of extra work because some six-pack warriors approach me about leaving the church, just giving up. So the question arises as to whether Michael is right to do what he does. I'll answer that question in this episode. I try never to do this, but the Biden economy has this apostolate against the ropes. Virtually everything used to keep this apostolate in business is crushing me. Up to now, when the apostolate hasn't generated enough revenue to cover expenses, I paid for it out of pocket. That's no longer an option, because our personal income is only about $2,000 per month, and we're being crushed. I realize that this economy is hurting you too, but most of you have more disposable income than we do. I need your help because we're having to choose which essentials we can afford on a month-by-month basis. There are two ways you can help. In the show notes of each episode at cantankerouscatholic.com, there are a list of links under headings Earn Money Online, Courses and Tools, Health and Wellness, Trading and Investing, Podcasting, and Miscellaneous. These links are to products and services that may interest you, and I get a commission if you purchase them. As always, I won't recommend anything I believe is shady, and to the best of my knowledge, you can trust these links. The other way you can help is by clicking on the link that says Help Keep the Joe Six-Pack the Every Catholic Guy Apostolate Alive. You can make a one-time gift, but you'll also have the option of making yours a monthly gift. Please make it a monthly gift if you can. Food shortages are already becoming apparent and rolling blackouts are coming soon. We're elderly and ill. We need help. And I thank you in advance for your generosity. Before I begin, I need to take care of a little business here. As you know, I've been asking for financial support to help keep this apostolate alive. I want to thank those of you who've been so generous during this little fundraising drive. However, gifts have been fewer and smaller than they have been in the past. You're just as devastated by the Biden inflation as I am. I get it. I know firsthand of your generosity, so I know you'd help more if you could, but the current state of affairs leaves me with a dilemma. I've never asked God to bless what I'm doing, but rather I've always asked Him to let me do what He's blessing. Apparently, He's winding down this apostolate, at least incrementally, so I've had to make some decisions. I have enough funds and projected revenues to operate the whole apostolate until the end of November, so unless there's some divine intervention, I'll have to curtail some of the apostolate's activities. This podcast will continue at least until the end of the year. It's the most costly aspect of the entire apostolate, but I reach more people this way. I'll be ending the Sunday Parish Bulletin Insert Program I will continue the Sharing the Faith webinar series, though, through the next cycle because I've already committed to it. But I'll have to stop them after this cycle, which begins September 11th. In the meantime, I'll continue to ask for financial support through the remainder of August in the hope that I can avert the cutbacks. Now, my question here is... Is Michael Voris right in exposing the scandals in the hierarchy the way he does? Every time he does, I get some six-pack warriors who are so disgusted with these scandals that they tell me they're leaving the church. A recent vortex from August 11th is a classic example of what I'm talking about. So before we discuss whether Michael is right in doing what he does, I want you to listen to that vortex and put yourself in my place concerning what to tell six-pack warriors who just want out. What would you tell them? Is Michael right to expose these scandals, especially when he surely knows that weaker-minded and weak-faith Catholics are tempted to leave the Catholic Church? Listen to this vortex, then we'll come back and discuss these things.
2: Temperatures are rising in India, and we aren't talking about the scorching heat wave sweeping the country. For the corrupt Cardinal Oswald Gracias, extremely close to Pope Francis, in fact, it's beginning to boil. Earlier this week... Following a series of reports by our Rome correspondent, Dr. Jules Gomez, where a secret phone recording was leaked to church militants showing his eminence, engaging in an attempt to control bad news about a bishop he's trying to cover for, one of the most respected judges on the planet, Michael Saldana, issued a legal notice to the cardinal for libel. The notice is in response to Gracias's video statement saying church militant mischievously edited his words, the tape of the phone recording, which, of course, we did not. We cut it down for length, as that's just a standard media practice. In the judge's legal notice, he tells Gracias to step down, as in resign, before he brings irreparable harm to the church. The most salient part, which the Vatican will hone in on, is this from paragraph 6, quote, When the cardinal goes on record to use the word mischievously edited, he is inviting a libel action for damages which could not be less than $100 million because he represents the church and the church can easily afford to pay it apart from a prosecution. He continues, as a person who knows the law and the facts, I need to caution the church that this action has been invited and that it would be defenseless in any part of the world. Now, for the record, this information has just come to us and we're not experts at libel law in India, but we may very well become so. Various parts of India were already in an uproar over this case, and now the pressure is mounting daily. The focus of the 2 year old secret phone call was Bishop K.A. William and his purported string of children from at least five different mistresses. As calls mounted for him to take a paternity test, the Vatican had to step into the quagmire as well as Gracias, urging William to take the DNA test, which, by the way, he never did, and that was two years ago. But here's the wider scandal. Gracias admits in the call that he will arrange for that test to happen at a Catholic hospital, giving him total control over the fallout, media included, media especially. That is the part, that is the part Gracias didn't want anyone to hear. Well, too late. So, of course, once Church Militant released the recording, Gracias was in a bind, having to go on record in a rare video appearance last weekend and accused Church Militant of mischievously editing the recording. That false claim is what escalated this to the point now where Judge Saldana issued his legal notice today. In Indian law, Gracias must respond within a specified time frame denying the allegations made against him, or it will be deemed that he has admitted guilt. That's how Indian law works. So it'll be interesting to see what he and his lawyers cook up. Just looking across the very broad landscape, we can say with certainty that church militant could certainly use $100 million. We got lots of expenses here. As a result of all of this, Williams is on self-imposed lockdown, not venturing outside his compound, even canceling a mass he was supposed to offer at a convent. In America, we call that tick-tock, tick-tock, meaning the walls are closing in and time is running out. It is the publicity from Church Milton that is bringing this to a head. And both clerics are now in batten-down-the-hatches mode. If William doesn't resign or is removed, the scandal just keeps growing. If he does, then that will be an admission that he is guilty, regardless of how wordsmithy the resignation letter would be. And if he resigns, again because he's guilty, then all eyes will turn to Gracias, who has covered for him for years now, and to boil it down, remember what Gracias is actually covering up. Out-of-wedlock children running around whose father is a deadbeat dad. Who's paying the expenses for these children? Who was raising them and taking care of their spiritual needs? Are church funds being used secretly to tend to those needs? If so, that's its own issue, especially after five mistresses, and at this point, we can rightly ask, is it really just five? If church funds are not being used, what's the disposition of the children? This whole scandal has only served to increase scrutiny on how Gracias does business, but it's resurrecting other problem cases for the cardinal. Gracias not only covers up for heterosexual bishops, he also covers up for, of course, drumroll please, homosexual priests who rape altar boys. All are welcome, after all, the Church of Tolerance and Inclusion. All are welcome. And side note here, this would be bad for any bishop or cardinal, but this cardinal is one of Pope Francis's closest confidants. Here's the background. Last December, an Indian court handed down a conviction against Father Lawrence John, who had raped a 12-year-old altar boy in his Christ the King church, ...at a suburb in eastern Mumbai. Father Johnson's animalistic rape of the 12-year-old was so severe... ...that the boy had to receive medical treatment for profuse anal bleeding. Likewise, Johnson infected the boy with his syphilis. When the family found out, they went straight to the priest... ...who, when confronted, fell to his knees and confessed everything... ...begging for forgiveness... Nevertheless, armed with an admission of guilt and a direct meeting with the family, Gracias spent huge sums of money defending the child abuser and rapist. The legal fees were as high as 10 million Indian rupees, about 125,000 U.S. dollars, for one of Bombay's celebrity lawyers to defend the homo predator priest. As it turns out, Johnson was raping other boys at previous parishes right under the cardinal's nose. Parishes including Our Lady of Lourdes in Orlem, St. Anthony's Church in Mawani, St. Anthony's Church in Mankud, Our Lady of the Rosary in Gorgian, and Sacred Heart Church in Vashi. Taking a page, of course, from a playbook of American bishops, Gracias just kept transferring him around. Johnson used to be the driver for Bishop Alwin de Silva, one of Gracias' auxiliary bishops, and that is why he was protected, insiders tell Church Militant. All about who you know, after all, right? Gracias let this nightmare legal process go on, get this now, for six years, the whole legal proceeding, after the priest had already admitted it, paying for his legal bills, allowing the agony for the family, not the slightest bit of concern for that boy or other boys for that matter. So renewed attention on his corruption and lack of empathy is more than warranted all of which makes his role as a close, again, very close, senior advisor to the Pope extremely questionable, especially considering the starring role he had back during the sex abuse summit at the Vatican in 2019. Francis appointed him, along with pro-gay Blaise Supic, to head up the summit, called in the aftermath of the Theodore McCarrick revelations as a kind of damage-control kabuki theater operation. On top of libel and cruelty, you can add outlandish hypocrisy by Gracias as he sat there in Rome schooling the church and Associated International Press on how horrible sex abuse is.
1: My dear brother bishops and friends, sexual abuse in the church and the subsequent failure to address it in an open, accountable and effective way has caused a multifaceted crisis. It has gripped and wounded the church.
2: Yeah, and you're one of the guys responsible for it. Damage control seems to be high on the resume, in fact, of Cardinal Gracias, not just on the international stage, but especially in India. So now the cardinal has a couple of weeks or so to answer the legal notice from the judge. Meanwhile, we're just getting into the hottest part of the year. How's your air conditioner, eminence? To my way of thinking, this is
1: probably the worst scandal I've heard Michael expose from the hierarchy. Yeah, true, it's not from within the USCCB, but it's a hierarchy scandal nonetheless, and it certainly could have been from the USCCB. We've seen that in the past. Every time Michael does this, I have to pick up the pieces, so to speak, when listeners tell me they're giving up on the Catholic Church. I can understand the frustration and temptation of listeners. I'm an adult convert. I didn't become a Catholic just to watch our own hierarchy tear down the church from within and drag the souls of the faithful to hell with them. Your temptations and frustrations are no different than mine. So, even though Michael surely knows that what he does will cause people to actually leave the church at worst or tempt them to do so at best, we have to ask whether it's even moral for him to do what he does. Well, the answer to that is an emphatic yes. It's actually a virtue to do what he does. Just as goodness should be praised wherever it's found, so too must evil be called out and exposed, especially among the hierarchy. So what do we do about the souls who threaten to leave the church, or worse, actually carry it out? Well, to be perfectly honest, I'm tired of dealing with those people about this issue. I'm going to make the things I say next be my final statement on the topic. Americans in general, and American Catholics in particular, have had things way too good and way too easy for far too long. Both America and the Church were built by men and women with guts and the resolve that they were doing something worthy of hardship and, if necessary, sacrificing their lives for it. Modern American Catholics don't have that fighting spirit or commitment. They're soft, lazy, and apathetic. So here's my message to those who want to give up and simply leave the Catholic Church. Put on your big boy pants and stop your whining. If you're busy complaining, you're not doing anything. You're too busy complaining. Those who care for the things you're complaining about but don't whine about it, they're probably doing something about the things that are wrong. I'm only going to say this one more time. Jesus Christ founded and established the Catholic Church, and he died so you could have her. There is no salvation outside the church, so if you leave the church, you choose hell. If you think that's just my opinion, read Lumen Gentium 14. That brings us back to the issue of putting on your big boy pants. So don't whine and complain about the things going on in the hierarchy. You don't have a reason to complain. The church exists on three planes, the church militant, the church suffering, and the church victorious, and she's perfect because she's divine. The unfortunate reality is that most of the men who are the divinely appointed stewards of the church in the hierarchy have betrayed their master and the souls they're charged to shepherd with cowardice and or faithlessness. Still, that's no reason nor excuse to abandon Christ and his church. If you walk away from the Catholic Church, you're no less a Judas traitor of Christ than these evil sociopaths with croziers. So what do you do? You fight. You launch a Catholic blog. You launch a podcast like this. You join Church Militant Resistance. It's your turn now to do for Christ what he did for you 2,000 years ago. I don't understand Catholics who won't fight. I certainly don't have any respect for Catholics who won't fight. Based on my general experience with people throughout my lifetime, people who won't fight for Christ and his church can't be counted on to defend their own family members when their lives are threatened. So don't be a coward. Get up off your ass and go fight. If you want a life of total freedom, and I mean total freedom, to go where you want, live where you want without money worries, there's one skill that can give it to you. It's a skill so desired, so in demand, you could have an endless flow of money coming into your bank account every month and never leave your house. What kind of money am I talking about? Does six figures sound good to you? That's what some people who've discovered and mastered this skill are making, without breaking a sweat. As for learning this skill, almost anybody can do it. It's a special kind of skill that once you've mastered it, it gives you the opportunity not only to earn as much money as you need, but from anywhere in the world for the rest of your life. I'll be brutally honest. There's simply no other way to gain total freedom and independence than learning a skill that rewards you tenfold. Just click the link in my show notes that says, Here's your ticket to the good life to learn all about it.
0: It's time for The Sacred Heart Wins with Bishop Joseph Strickland. Each week, His Excellency answers your toughest questions about the Catholic faith, the problems in the church, spiritual questions, catechetical topics, or anything else you want to know. If you have a question, just email it to joe at cantankerouscatholic.com. Now here's Bishop Strickland and Joseph Pack, the
1: Every Catholic Guy. Welcome back, Bishop Strickland. How are you today? Good, Joe. How are you? Thank you very much. I'm fine. Our question today is from Judy, and she asks, why at weekly mass do they ask us to pray for Ukraine, but no one ever has asked us to pray for the Christians in Africa, the Middle East, and elsewhere who are being and have been slaughtered because of their faith?
3: Well, I think um, Judy raises a great question because she reminds us that there's suffering and there's uh, people being persecuted. There are issues throughout the world that need to be prayed for. I would encourage her and anyone who's listening to, to bring that to your local priest. It sounds like a very local question that she's talking about. Can our local church be more aware of the global reality of the church. And there is much persecution going on in Africa, in China, in many places. Of course, if we get into a litany of all that at every daily mass, it's going to take quite some time. So, but I would encourage people to to keep in their own prayer and to offer prayers or encourage the priest at your mass to offer prayers for all who are suffering in the world. And maybe Uh, on specific moments to remember those suffering in Africa or in South America or in other regions of the church or specific issues. But I think the question does remind us Catholic means universal and we should always, the politics and the news media always directs us one way or another. I mean, one area of real suffering, very political hot potato, but the Texas border in this country, this tremendous suffering, just to forget the politics, just the children of God suffering, literally children, women, families. So we need to pray for all of those areas where injustice and the brokenness of our world has real suffering impact on lives.
1: Thank you very much, Excellency. Great answer. We'll see you next week. Thanks, Joe. Got a business or an apostolate? Why not consider advertising on The Cantankerous Catholic? I'll give you nine reasons why you should. One, 82.4% of podcast listeners spend more than seven hours per week listening to podcasts. Two, 54% of listeners are more likely to buy something advertised on podcasts because they like and trust the host. Three, podcasts are proven to get more ad results to highly refined, targeted audience. The smaller audiences on podcasts buy more than the largest audiences on terrestrial radio or television. Four, our listeners' annual household income is $75,000 or higher. Five, 49% of Americans listen to podcasts monthly. Six, 55% of Americans listen to podcasts. Seven, three out of four listeners listen to learn new things, ideal for advertisers. Eight, 82.4% of podcast listeners spend more than seven hours per week listening to podcasts. Nine, advertising on the cantankerous Catholic helps support a completely orthodox apostolate poised to help instigate a Catholic revival and one's coming. Over 81% of our more than 70,000 listeners are right here in America. We're listened to in all 50 states and tens of thousands of cities and towns. Advertising on the Cantankerous Catholic costs far less than you might think. I'm not trying to make a living, but only keep this apostolate alive, and you'd be helping with that. So reach out to me today at joe at cantankerouscatholic.com, and let's talk about it.
0: Now here's Joe Sixpack.
1: St. Isidore, who lived from 1070 to 1130, was a Spanish laborer who was hired as a plowman on the lands of a wealthy nobleman from Madrid. He worked very hard at his job, yet he never failed to attend daily Mass. Neighbors jealous of his piety accused Isidore to his employer of neglecting his work in order to attend Mass. When the wealthy employer questioned him about it, Isidore replied, I know that I'm your servant, but I have another master as well, and I owe him service and obedience too. If you think I've cheated you because I serve God, please deduct whatever you want from my wages. The landowner knew Isidore to be a good and honest man, but he also knew his neighbors looked out for his best interests, so he decided to find out the truth for himself by going to his farm early one morning to observe without Isidore seeing him. When he observed that Isidore didn't begin work until later in the morning, he went to give the servant a severe rebuke. As he got closer to where Isidore was working, he was surprised to find two strangers in the field with Isidore. Each stranger had a team of white oxen plowing on either side of Isidore. As the landowner grew near, both strangers and their oxen disappeared. The landowner asked Isidore, For God's sake, man, who were those men who were playing with you just now? Isidore replied, I assure you, sir, I haven't seen anyone. I don't ask anyone for help except God each morning at Holy Mass. Then the nobleman understood that the two men he'd seen were angels sent by God to help his servant in return for hearing Mass so faithfully. There are three degrees of nature in the world. Ours, the world we see and live in, is called the natural world. The world that is God, the Holy Trinity, is called the supernatural world, above nature. But there's a different kind of world for the angels and demons called the preternatural world. The supernatural world is uncreated. The natural is the created world of all that's around us, with mankind being the highest form of creation in the natural world. The preternatural world inclusive of both the angelic and demonic, is also created by God, but it's higher in the order of creation than our natural world. The angelic world serves two purposes. The first is to love, adore, and praise God every moment of their existence. The second purpose of the angels is to serve as messengers from God to man and to serve us as God so directs them to do. There's a parallel between the preternatural world and the natural world in that we are all supposed to love, adore, and praise God every moment of our existence as well as serve others for the sake of God in the name of Jesus Christ. Another parallel is found with the demons. In the preternatural world, demons are responsible for great evil in our world, most especially by tempting us to offend God. And they're eternally punished for their rejection of God, just as we'll be punished with the same eternal suffering if we die in a state of rejection of God, that is, a state of mortal sin. When it comes to how the angels serve man, they demonstrate a true, perfect love for us. The angels pray for us, which we learn from the vision of Zachariah. Then the angel of the Lord said, O Lord of hosts, how long wilt thou have no mercy on Jerusalem and the cities of Judah against which thou hast had an indignation these seventy years? And the Lord answered gracious and comforting words to the angels who talked to me Zechariah one twelve and thirteen. We also see this encounter between the Archangel Raphael and Tobit. And so when you and your daughter-in-law Sarah prayed, I brought you a reminder of your prayer before the Holy One. And when you buried the dead, I was likewise present with you. Tobit 12.12 Christ himself tells us that they have an interest in us because he said, just so, I tell you there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Luke 15:10. In another place he warns us not to be guilty of scandalizing those who believe in him. See that you do not despise one of these little ones, for I tell you that in heaven their angels always behold the face of my Father who is in heaven. Matthew 18:10. The angels also act as messengers from God. There are many, many passages in Scripture where God has sent His angels to act as messengers from Him. One of my personal favorites is found in Luke 1, 19, when God told Zechariah of the coming of His only child, John the Baptist. I am Gabriel, who stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. Finally, the angels also serve us with their protection and aid, as in the story of Saint Isidore. The entire book of Tobit in the Old Testament is all about how the archangel Raphael helped Tobias. Jesus implies the existence of guardian angels, as was noted in Matthew 18:19, quoted earlier, For I tell you that in heaven their angels always behold the face of my Father who is in heaven. The Church has taught from the very beginning that we have angels surrounding us to act as protectors and shepherds to help us always live for God. The Catechism of the Catholic Church in paragraph 336 says, From its beginning until death, human life is surrounded by their watchful care and intercession. Beside each believer stands an angel as protector and shepherd leading him to life. Already here on earth, Christian life shares by faith in the blessed company of angels and men united in God. We're surrounded by both angels and demons, and St. Paul talks of the demons we war against every day. For we are not contending against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against the powers, against the world rulers of this present darkness, against the spiritual hosts of the wickedness in heavenly places. Ephesians 6.12 There's a constant war going on around us, whether we're awake or asleep, conscious or unconscious of it. The preternatural world of angels and demons wage war without ceasing, and they do so for only one thing, the eternal destiny of our souls. This is how important you are to God, that he would have his angels constantly do battle with the demons to help you make the right decisions and avoid offending him with sin. Spend time every day with your guardian angel. Talk to him. Over time, you can become attuned to him and listen to what he has to tell you. I talk to my angel every single day, often multiple times a day. When I drove and was in my car, those who passed me on the highway must have thought I was crazy, because I was usually carrying on a conversation with my angel. They passed by and saw me talking to an empty car. It wasn't empty, though. Not only is my angel present with me, but there are the demons there trying to distract me and keep me from conversing with and listening to my angel. The spiritual warfare we constantly face is one that ends only in death. Rather than take our guardian angel for granted or ignore him, we need to thank him and ask him for his help as often as possible. If you're taking any prescription medication to control diabetes, or even pre-diabetes, new studies from Italy and New Zealand show that type 2 diabetes and pre-diabetes can be managed or possibly even reversed, if you know how. While most medications can keep the symptoms of diabetes at bay, they don't actually treat the root cause of the problem. So before you resign yourself to being hooked on medication for life, you've got to see a video about glucofort. The link is in my show notes. I've been taking glucofort for two months and it's had a dramatic effect on my blood sugar number. My primary care physician is amazed. So do what I did. Watch the video, then order the package of all-natural glucofort that's right for you by clicking the glucofort link in my show notes. The Catholic Church is 2,000 years old. A lot of wisdom is gained over two millennia. Each week we'll share some of that wisdom with a Catholic quote. So here's this week's Catholic quote. This week's Catholic quote is from St. Augustine. He said, Fasting cleanses the soul, raises the mind, subjects one's flesh to the spirit, renders the heart contrite and humble, scatters the clouds of concupiscence, quenches the fire of lust, and kindles the true light of chastity. I believe a really great way to teach the faith is through stories, parables, and anecdotes. So here's today's story. St. Agnes was only 12 years old when she was led to the altar of Minerva in Rome and commanded to obey the laws of Emperor Diocletian by offering incense to the gods. During these ceremonies of pagan worship, she raised her hands to Jesus Christ and made the sign of the cross. She didn't turn away when she was bound hand and foot, though the chains slipped from her small hands, and the heathens who stood around were moved to tears. She gladly went to the place of her torture. When the judge saw that she wasn't afraid of pain, he inflicted an insult worse than death. Her clothes were stripped off, and she was forced to stand naked in front of the crowd. Yet even this didn't weaken her faith in God. She exclaimed, Christ will guard his own. While the crowd turned their eyes from the virgin martyr, there was one young man who dared to gaze at her with lustful intentions and desires. A flash of lightning struck him blind, and his friends carried him away half dead with fear and pain. Agnes was offered a rich young man in marriage, but she answered, Christ is my spouse. He chose me first, and his will I be. He's adorned my soul with the jewels of grace and virtue. I'm a spouse to him whom the angels serve. At last the sentence of death was passed. For a moment she stood erect in prayer, then bowed her neck to the sword. At one stroke, her head was severed from her body, and the angels carried her pure soul to heaven. St. Agnes was ready to die to prove how much she loved Jesus and hated sin. Does your faith and love of Christ mean as much to you as it did to her? Do you subject your virtue to danger just because you want to wear the latest fashions? Would you defend your purity even if it meant laying down your life as St. Agnes did? Pray to St. Agnes that she may help you to keep your soul as pure as she kept hers. The punishment of the young man who had evil thoughts shows how much God hates impurity and how swiftly he punishes it. Jesus once said, If your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and throw it away. It is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown into hell. This has been The Cantankerous Catholic with Joe Sixpack, the Every
0: Catholic Guy. Thanks for subscribing, and be sure to visit cantankerouscatholic.com to get your free copy of Joe's popular book, The Best of What We Believe, Why We Believe It.